Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest Electrical Wholesaling Executive Insights Podcast. I am Jim Lucy, Electrical Wholesaling's Editor-in-Chief, and today we'll be talking with Chris Sokol, President of Discord, the electrical market's leading provider of sales forecast data at the end-user, distributor, and local market level. Chris will be talking about current marketing conditions and also what he sees for the electrical business in 2024. Chris has dramatically grown DISC's position in the electrical industry since he purchased it in 2018. As president of DISC, he helps distributors, reps, and manufacturers use the market data available at DISC's website to grow their businesses. He also writes regularly for electrical wholesaling. Chris, welcome to the podcast today. And to start things off, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background in the electrical market? Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I started like many, many of us did, working the counter at a small electronics electrical parts distributor in Spokane, Washington. And and from there, uh, yeah, I did that for about five years. And from there, I moved on to Phoenix, Arizona, where I got an inside sales position with uh, King Wire and started my career in the wire and cable business. And from Phoenix, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and went to work for Wire and Cable Specialties, covering the Southeast uh, in, in wire and cable sales. And from there, I moved back to uh, my home state of Washington and went to work for Houston Wire and Cable uh, in Seattle, covering the Pacific Northwest, Alaska, uh, and so on and so forth. From there, I took an outside sales position with uh, Houston Wire in Lexington, Kentucky, you know, kind of covering that uh, initial upper south west mm-hmm. or southeast area and then on to charlotte where i became regional manager and from there on to chicago where i became regional vice president from there to memphis tennessee where i became division president for a heavy lift group of houston wire and cable and from there to where i am now in houston texas as uh, national vice president of business development for uh, all their business units and then as you mentioned i, I purchased disc in 2019 because I didn't want to see us as an industry lose the resource, and Harm was ready to retire. Uh, you know, it, my timing was fortunately good and unfortunately bad. Um, you know, Herm, I bought the business from Herm in July, uh, and unfortunately passed away in September of that same year. So he worked until the very end, as he had promised to do. So, um, but but I've very much been enjoying it, and that's where I am today. Sounds good. You know, it, it, hearing all the work that you've done in the uh, wire and cable business in a, a good number of years in the career, it reminds me, I had a conversation with Terry Hunt, who founded Houston Wire and Cable a long time ago, and he he always told me about people in the wire industry. He goes, you know, it's kind of like Devil's Island. He goes, we may, we, we're on the island. He goes, we may change cells, go to a different company, but we're still on the island. We're still in wire and cable business. And I, I know you've expanded your reach into many other market niches in the electrical market through uh, through Discord, but you certainly have had that uh, experience of uh, having a few different cells, a few different places at the wire and cable, but uh, certainly has prepared you well for your time at Discord. Uh, where along your journey did you first get interested in market forecasting and crunching data? So this is one of the questions that I I really kind of had to think through. Um, You know, fortunately, uh, I've been all over the country. So um, and unfortunately, I've been all over the country. Right. Uh, When when I first I I think my first interest in in market data was when I became an outside salesperson and and a grizzled seasoned salesperson Mm -hmm. from an electrical wholesaler told me that, Chris, the best sales call you can make is to the public library for an afternoon mm-hmm. and and you know they they have a wealth of information on the companies on you know where to go and 
Um, and, and it was, that was very, very helpful. And while I did that a few times, you know, I, I didn't really understand the impact of that or the impact that can have, uh, but it did, it did make me successful to some extent. Now, when I became the regional manager in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, I really wanted to understand the industries that were my territory. We were doing business uh, with pulp and paper. We were doing some spotty industry or spotty business with uh, textile mills, if that gives you an idea how long I've been doing this. <laughs> and, and the automotive industry what was up and coming. BMW was planning on building a plant and Toyota was talking about building a plant. So uh, I found that I could go get the geo, uh, geographic information as well as employee counts and all of this from the census data for the industries that I was interested in. And, and I leveraged that data to grow the business um, and it, it worked very well. I, I used those resources to my advantage, uh, did a, helped me do a great job there and uh, poof, promotion <laughs> and moved to Chicago. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've been using market data for a long time and it wasn't really until i got uh to houston that that i started to leverage the disk data to a large extent mm-hmm. yeah so you were a user of disk data before uh taking over the company in 2019 uh, yes. does it give you a different perspective on the use of data now that you're really managing this basically vault of uh, market information than you did when you were just using not necessarily bits and pieces of it, but did the perspective change for you and all on how it, the, the it, potential it of the data? Yeah. yeah, it did. And and now, you know, sitting where I sit, I, I certainly understand that, that the disk data is widely used by, mm-hmm. you know, certainly all of the major electrical wholesalers, a lot of the uh, super regionals and, and smaller ones, manufacturers, um, Pretty much all the major manufacturers, and and now we're starting to grow the the uh, uh, representative business. And, and it, what's really interesting to see is that this is becoming more and more a common voice. Um, when a distributor sits down with an agent and a manufacturer for market planning, as long as they agree on a starting baseline, which is the big hurdle to overcome, <laughs> it becomes easy to do your market planning. And and that is uh, that that's what I see now is um, this symbiotic relationship between the three prongs of of our community and and having a common language. Do you get a sense uh, when when you're when working with their folks and like you say these manufacturer rep meetings, distributor manufacturer meetings are you know certainly happen all the time. But as far as the ebb and flow of when people are the needs, they start really utilizing market planning. Uh, do you see certain times of the year, certain meetings? You say all of a sudden people have to kind of hurry up and say, "Oh my gosh, I got to get, I've got a meeting with so and so at you know NAD or AD or NEMR." Do you do you see any yeah. pace? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's uh, late fall about this time of year when everybody's, you know, starts to work on their uh, uh, planning for next year. And then mid to late spring when everybody wants has, has closed their books on the prior year and they really want to see how, how they do. So for us, you know, spring and fall are, are kind of our, our our busy seasons. There's certainly a lot of activity in between, but that that's when uh, you can feel uh, uh, the people needing needing the data. And well, what do you learned about the electrical market now that you're, you know, I could say again, kind of in control or managing this data? What is it really? Any surprises out there as far as what you've learned about how the business operates or the cycles within the business? Well, you you know. 
we're a very resilient industry uh, overall and and we're capable of rapid change which which we saw during the pandemic I mean, we went from this old brick and mortar, uh, you know, years and years of counter sales, outside sales, face-to-face stuff to to having to work from home, telesales, counter, moving counter pickups out to the curbside delivery. You know, all of those things that were were very um, very unique, but we did them really quickly. Uh, I mean, our, our adoption to deliver critical electrical supplies uh, was fast, and I was so glad to see that. And now we're, we're entering a new area, a uh, new era that will face some challenges. You know, electrification is coming. Great for our industry overall, but we're also facing an aging workforce. And and how will those people adopt to uh, new technologies? Many are leaving faster than we can replace them. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to deploy some technology like artificial intelligence to to manage this loss of institutional knowledge that we're about to overcome. And I think we can. And you know, I, I say all this knowing that data is going to be a big part of the upcoming changes in, in our industry again. So. That's that's how I see it. You know, it's funny. I just was looking at some numbers this morning because I, you know, I've been doing some things for electrical wholesaling and market planning guys. So I was looking at contractor employment. You know, total number of employees. If if if, if we can uh, look at the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers, you know, really almost at historic highs. But you you look at the trend line. If you say be during the COVID era, and it almost looks like a seismic, you know, like a, a huge yeah. blip, like it was almost like a volcanic eruption. If you look at it when they're charting, you know, different geysers and things, you see that and then it smooths out. And but you don't know if it's going to and I've seen that in pricing and you see in so many different things that that time frame of COVID to, you know, a year or 18 months. And but you think it could smooth out to where it was. But but the, but the industry's changed since then, too. I mean, the whole the market, I, guess I think the whole economy has changed. Since COVID, I, if you look at, you know, you were talking about retirement, you talk about the work at home phenomena, commercial real estate. So I think it's interesting. You can't just draw a straight line through that uh, that time period and say, oh, it's going to be it's going to revert back to where we were in 2017. I don't, I don't think it necessarily uh, works like that. I, and I it's funny. I know you, you had written a great piece for electrical wholesaling a couple of years back on uh what to do about black swan, how to plan for black swan events. And not that we're saying anything that's going on in the current economy or, or geopolitical scene is a black swan event, but it does make you realize that whatever's ahead of us isn't necessarily going to look exactly like it was behind such a uh, major, major thing. So, you know, that's, that's a really good point. When you look yeah. back at the recession of 2008 mm-hmm. versus the pandemic induced recession, recession of i guess it was 2020 now Um, the duration was certainly shorter in this one and the recovery was a rocket yep so uh, just interesting yeah yeah. very interesting to to see all this not not necessarily a fun ride while while it was happening but certainly the recovery brought brought us a lot of uh a lot Mm -hmm. of positive things so Mm -hmm. yeah you know as 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 you say, you're getting back to, I don't know if this is the new normal or whatever, but as you're working, you know, and getting to meet more people throughout the electrical business, are you surprised by any of the different types of uh, customers that are using market data? Any uh, any different types of people within their own companies, the level of their job or new businesses entirely that are taking an interest in electrical market data? Well, you know, the, the, the use of data is definitely becoming more prevalent in 
in, in the market, as is data blending. You know, there, there's really two kinds of data that, that we can use. We can use internal data, business intelligence, um, sales data, operations, maintenance, personnel, and finance data are all internal, right? Mm-hmm. External data comes from uh, market data, customers, companies. I mean, EW publishes uh, external data. I do. IDEA does. And as we blend this stuff together, we, we can make some better decisions. And, and what I see now is uh, non-revenue generating people that can generate a lot of upside potential within an organization. And, and these are data analysts, data wranglers, sales leadership, financial analysts, business development. And they, they often now all work together with this data to, to develop plans, make recommendations uh, to the executive teams. And, and these insights that they find often can be great game changers. And, and I'm glad to yeah. see it. You know, it's funny not to get off track here, but I'm a baseball fan, and I just listened to a podcast the other night with the, our, our local team, Kansas City Royals. But they were they interviewed the guy that was in their, the head of their data sciences department. And these days in baseball, I mean, they can do everything from you know, yeah. seeing the spin rate on a, a pitcher's pitch or the arc of the ball, the batter and all. But the interesting thing was, and just in a short period, within five years, they went from, I think, having two or three people in their data department to, I think, 15 or 20 and they're still hiring and they're hiring at people that are doctorate of data sciences and really yeah. it's it's changed that industry and I'm, I'm not proposing that it'll have the same thing will happen in the electrical market but it, just as you were explaining the changes you've seen in the, the electrical industry as far as use of data you know it's it certainly seems it's certainly happening in many different parts of the industry and you know with all the talk about uh date you know the generative ai and artificial intelligence i'll just make it's going to be a very interesting time you know i i think so too i yeah. totally agree yeah, as far as you know, when you, when you look at the uh, you know the types of data that co- your customers are most comfortable with or ordering, um, any uh, any guess you could call them universal truths of either the type of data and how they use in their businesses that our listeners should be aware of. Yes, there is yeah. one major, humongous, universal truth about forecasting and data. Um, forecasting is an expectation of future demand, either positive or negative. We'll say that again, just to emphasize it. You know, forecasting, expectation of future demand. So when we look at at data, especially the disk data, we cover 1,059 NAICS codes in our uh, expectation of potential consumption of electrical supplies. Um, And, you know, we segment those by construction, industrial, institutional, utility, which are our primary verticals in in our industry, you know, and when you look at these, you can get some insights as to who's winning, who's losing, and for how long. So, um, you know, we we use that data then to find market share, uh, seek opportunities, align resources, and and things that'll make us more successful. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned about market share. We just, just had a discussion uh, internally at our Endeavor business meeting with Jones Wholesaling, and it was with our search. We have some people that focus just on search ending optimization, and they were, they listed the terms that people are going into our website, putting in and searching for. Number one term, and this kind of shocked me, was market share. 
market share. It came up. That was that those were the key words that kept coming up. And I didn't know what to expect, but it came up. There were some specific company things, but that was a gaining market share. That term, that terminology was uh, we published a fair amount of information on it, but it's like, oh, OK, then we can use it in our business because it's like, hey, we need to be publishing more on, you know, helping people gain market share. But that was interesting. Just and then we can calibrate that going three months, a year back or whatever. And I did a few historical themes. But yeah, market share, market share, market share was it seems to be <laughs> a tip of their distributor, our readers and website visitors, uh, uh, funds, I guess you might say. Yeah. Um, back a few years on calculating market share and yeah. uh, figuring out how to how to use that data once you have the numbers. Well, you mentioned you know, we're in the middle of market planning season, and I think every market planning season, there's always some macroeconomic stuff going on that uh, you always wonder, okay, how much is that changing the perception of people? In our case right now, you know, unfortunately, we have the uh, horrors going on in Israel. We've got the, the war in Ukraine, and we've got the general concerns about the economy and certainly the an election year coming up. Uh, any tips for your disc customers and the potential customers and how they can manage their way through this uh, uncertainty? So you did mention earlier in, in, in this chat about the article I wrote on Black Swan events. Yep. I actually think, Jim, it might have been late last year or early this year that, mm -hmm. that we penned that article. Yeah, yeah. You know, really, the, the only thing that you can do to fend off these things is, is some preparedness. You know, we, we talk about in... In economics, we talk about best case, what we believe the truth to be, and worst case. And, and we need to consider those things in our business and say, what if? What if this transformer uh, problem that we have now with deliveries where they're running 18 to 20 weeks, what do we do if that shifts to... 30 weeks to 60 weeks, you know, how, how do we deal with that? And and if, if we think those things through and pre-plan, uh, I think we can eliminate a lot of headaches. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's forecasting is like looking at the weather, right? We, we can say that, you know, for sure it's going to rain in the United States. We can say with pretty much certainty that, you know, Texas might get some rain today, but, you know, we can't be so sure about the, you know, Harris County or zip code 77025, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but we need to keep an eye on the gathering clouds. And right now for us, the gathering clouds, and you mentioned some of these, you know, the continuing interest rates hikes can, can be problematic and the Fed can't make up their mind right now. We think there's a couple more coming. Uh, last round, they decided not to. So hopefully they won't do that again. Mm -hmm. the, the United Auto Workers strike, well, the, we mm -hmm. seem to have some resolution it's not at all resolved, and and there's still um, more going in, and that has a large impact on on companies and our industry in areas that serve automotive. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, the the conflicts you mentioned, Ukraine, Russia, and now the uh, Israel Gaza conflict, uh, those can have another huge impact uh, to our industry. Uh, Israel probably more so than than the Ukraine deal, but you know Ukraine produced for us in our industry a lot of electrical grade steel. Um, Israel is a, a, a technological innovator. We get a lot of new technology out of it. Israel and another, you know, manufacturing center for us. So we, we could experience some disruption from those. Um, the southern border immigration, you know, is that going to impact our our industry? Well, 
I don't know. It 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 could. We just need to see what will happen there. Uh, rising oil prices, copper uncertainty. These are all things that that we're trying to keep a handle on and keep our eye on to to understand um, what could happen with our industry. So it, it's important if you are in Texas to understand what's going on with the oil industry. Right. It's important to understand if you're in Michigan, Ohio, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, what's going on with the automotive, um, aerospace manufacturing, Washington State, California, some of these places. So as long as you have a geographical understanding of the industries that drive the economics of your business, um, you can make some plans for the what if scenarios. Mm -hmm. Kind of taking all all those external factors in, blending in with what you see internally in the disk data. Could you, you maybe give our listeners a, a glimpse of what you're seeing in the market overall with the next few quarters? Yeah, yeah. I, yep. and actually, I think 2023 this quarter, uh, the final quarter of, uh, of 2023, will will wind up a little bit ahead of of quarter four in terms of dollars. About a point and a half is what what I'm projecting now. <laughs> Which isn't too bad when you consider that prices have decreased, you know, about, you know, almost 2%. So, you know, effectively, we could say that we're up 3.5% in products, but not dollars. So, uh, you know, if we count weights and piece counts, uh, you know, hey, not, not a terrible year when we look at our industry historically over the last 60. Mm-hmm. Um Next year, Jim, I basically see it being flat. And and with the uncertainty by market vertical, you know, yes, I have projections right now, but but they're changing. And and I don't I, I think overall we should be flat to maybe down a point, but decreasing prices will will help bolster the uh the upside on peace counts. So I wish I had a little bit more sure answer, mm-hmm. and and I know that a lot of a lot of people in economics and forecasting like to say, well, I think, well, yeah, I do, but I I don't want to mislead. So right now, let's plan on 2024 being flat to 2023, and I'll keep you posted. <laughs> No, very realistic, and I think particularly, you know, with as you say, interest rates, pricing, everything that's going on there. I mean, what else? It, it makes a lot of yeah. sense. Just, to, I mean, it, it it is an uncertain time, and I think it's a very realistic uh, take on it. Yeah. That being said, there any uh, end user markets look strong to you that kind of stick out yeah, above the above the fray? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's some opportunities out there, definitely. So, the Chips Act which you know we can talk about in in detail but this is generating uh an interest in in manufacturing of new computer parts uh chips components all of this stuff which traditionally been brought in from overseas but we we want to bring more of that back to the united states so there's there's plant manufacturing and mro opportunities in existing plants and upgrades and all that stuff so that that's that's a big one. The other big one that I see right now is mining, excluding oil and gas. Oil and gas, you know, exploration falls under mm-hmm. mining. But, you know, take that out and start looking at uh, all of the other metals of electrification. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's opportunity there. Now, new mines, they're not really going to happen, uh, in my opinion. They're, they're not going to happen in the United States for now. Just 
because of regulation, uh, environmental requirements, all of this stuff to open a new mine uh, and just nuts. No one, no one wants a strip mine in their backyard anymore. But, you know, for existing or processing existing mines, um, certainly there, there's opportunity for, for electrical supplies. Um, that's that's really where I see the, the opportunity. Um, yeah. And, and anything having to do with... Uh, Electric vehicle transportation, which is obviously chargers, mm-hmm. some of the some of our big, you know, ABB and Eaton and some of these guys already building chargers and, and selling lots of those mm-hmm. um, and uh, energy storage, batteries, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, trucking, the electrification of the trucking industry mm-hmm. um, and, and certainly grid uh mm-hmm boosting or repairing or upgrading, yep. and, you know, yep. uh, all of those uh, are, present great opportunities for our industry. Yeah. I don't know if this is more of a philosophical question, but it seems right that it's an important time and, you, and you, you bring it out. There's a, There just seems to be a lot of, I guess, for lack of a better definition, new tech type opportunities of it right now percolating out there. You mentioned the grid modernization, EVs. I mean, there's lighting control. What is I don't I don't know that there's any right mix for new tech versus old tech versus what you know, people might have called the old pipe and wire business. But uh, how would you advise uh, you know distributors, reps, manufacturers how to how to look at that when you how to balance that out? I mean, there it's an interesting time in the business right now. I don't know that I've ever seen. There's always been different things have been under that new tech category over the years, but right now in particular, it seems like there's a lot and there's a lot of federal stimulus funding, funding this of some of these new tech opportunities. But, but what does a, a guy or gal do, you know, when they're trying to figure investing their salespeople's time, their inventory? I mean, I, I don't know if there's an answer to that question, but I, I think about it. You know, it, and this is one thing that, that you do have to think about, you know, that we would think about old tech versus new tech, right? And where, where do we uh, invest our time and resources? Mm-hmm. Uh, old tech is farming for, for many of us. Mm-hmm. farming existing because there's not a whole lot of new coming up. Now, we also need to remember that what we consider uh, old tech now was new tech to guys like yeah, sure. you and I. Yep. You know, I mean, let's think about mm-hmm. Potter and Brumfeld programmable relays, right? Mm-hmm. When when I first came into the market, that was the big thing. Yep. Hey, you could put a timer on <laughs> that thing. <laughs> so, um and, and now new tech new tech is 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 changing a lot of what we offer and how uh, how we go to market. I think new tech should be a lure for new blood. It requires training and education, and it has a coolness factor that, frankly, guys our age often don't want to fool with. You know, I, I don't want to learn how to sell and program a, a a lighting system for a multi-story building, you know, I, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> but but young kids, it's already in their DNA because these things are like playing video games. Has it changed at all in the from a disc perspective? You know, talking about some of the new tech, talking about the the federal incentives uh, for some of these things. Chargers now, uh, utility rebate programs. There rebates out there for chargers. Been there out for renewables and lighting controls. Um, is that something, I don't know how you factor that in, but maybe on a real local level, I mean, is there tools that distributors have to kind of, or reps manufacture to kind of 
maybe factor into to for a boost, but from a market planning perspective, how does one figure that? You know, how do you figure that in? I guess. Well, we we really consider projected increases in employment counts, right? So if 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 we infuse cash into any of these things, mm-hmm. you know, the the first thing we do with the, the cash is add employees to get the job done. Interesting. And, yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, industries historically have even newer industries have some historical output per headcount. So that that's kind of where we start. There's other things that go into the matching, yeah. but that's that's really where we start with all of this. So, mm-hmm. you know, broadly speaking, output is relative to headcount. As headcount goes up, so does output. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wrap up our chat today, I always like to ask our uh, contributors when they come on with us, uh, you know, the executive insights. Uh, you could get all your uh, customers, potential customers, in one room for about ten minutes. Uh, what would you like to tell them about how they can use DISC as a tool to sharpen their market planning? If you could somehow corral them all in there and you, you had a few minutes to chat with them about what, what you, how they can use this, what, 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 what's top of mind? Well, I appreciate this opportunity to start with. <laughs> and, you know, really we're at, at DISC, our primary goal is to help our customers answer four questions. How big is the market that you are participating with in terms of electrical supplies? Your competitors added up, what's that? And what is the market potential of your customers added up? So supply and demand side, what's the size of your market? What is your potential of market share? The overall market share percentage and the market share percentage of individual customers or customer groups or types. Where do you need some share improvement? Say you're a contractor house, you've got 20% market share, you're comfortable with that, you want to grow in the industrial market, uh, you got 5% share, you'd like to bring that up to 7 Who are you going to target? Where are they? What are those companies that make sense for you? We can help you answer that question. And then lastly, do you have the resources aligned and enough of them to go after the gap that you want to gain market share in? You know, do you have enough salespeople? If you don't and don't want to hire six or eight salespeople, maybe a telemarketing campaign makes sense. So these are the things that that DISC answers and helps you to answer um, on a daily basis. Not to mention the fact that uh, for Really inexpensively, you get a full-time staff of economists willing to help you out with any obscure one-off question. So that's what we do. That's great, Chris. This is an incredible fount of uh, information that I think you can use as a resource for your companies out there. So uh, for Chris, thanks for joining with us today on EW Executive Insights. And to our listeners, thanks again for uh, joining us as well. And please look at, we'll be posting these EW Executive Insight podcasts in 2024 on a bit more of a frequent basis. Thanks again for listening.